The one thing that I believe would work everywhere is fighting. Because it doesn't matter what color you are, what country you come from, or what language you speak. We're all human beings and fighting's in our DNA, man. We get it and we like it. Hi, I'm Michael Morgan and welcome to the second edition of this week's WOCast. Joining me, my sister from another mister, it's Chief Mo TV. Hey, hey, Mike, what's going on? Well, I was about to ask you, it seems as though, I mean, really and truly, you have got the eyes of MMA Twitter on lock. Basically, your Twitter feed has been our window in, and quite an, well, I would say intimate window in to today's media day. So, I guess, you know, the, the, the question is this, who have we got really to look forward to on this week's episode? Oh, we've got a couple of folks, no big deal. We've got a... Stephen Thompson, Wonder Boy. We've got Faraz. Hit me with the last name before I mess it up. Faraz Zahabi. Zahabi. Faraz Zahabi. And how many times did you have to practice that before you spoke to him? Come on, l- now. listen. I didn't practice nothing when I said his first name, and then I gave him the mic and said, "You say your damn last name because I'm gonna mess it up." <laughs> <laughs> so that's how we did it. That's how we got we circumvented my last name issue. And last but not least, we had a very interesting conversation with the one and only Kevin Lee. Okay, well, put it this way, um, not minor players then. you got some quite big names. I suppose, you know what would be good? If we started off, I mean, from what you said, this was a pretty intriguing interview anyway. But if we start off with Stephen Thompson, um, sounds like that would be a very good place to start. And hi, Stephen, how are you? Doing good, how about yourself? I'm doing great, and I'm so happy to be here with you. So, let me ask you. Um, I know you saw the Mike Perry fight against your opponent. What were your thoughts on the fight? I thought it was a very good fight between the both of them for sure. I had uh, Mike Perry winning the fight up until that flying knee. I think that flying knee definitely changed uh, the thoughts in the judges' eyes and gave it toward Vicente Luque. Both a tough fought fight for sure. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree with you. Now, what do you think Vincent Luque brings to your fight, brings to the table that you probably need to address or that you need to be cognizant of? Well, number one, he's a very tough opponent. I don't think it's going to be easy to put him put him to sleep or to knock him out. Very tough. Um, he's got good boxing, good Dutch kickboxing, uh, and he's and he's got good counters. So as soon as you touch his guard, he's ready to fire back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, as you already know, we got a bad mother effort title on the table t- tonight between Masvidal and Diaz. What do you think of that type of um, kind of fun, made-up kind of belt? I think it's pretty cool. Both those guys deserve it. They've been in the game for a long time, so maybe they deserve, you know, their own belt, I guess, but... You know, I was thinking the other day, you know, five, ten years ago, that would never even been thought of. So it goes to show that the game is changing. It's kind of got that WWE vibe. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the fans are loving it. The fighters are loving it. So, so let's go see who that, who wins the belt this right. Saturday. We find out this Saturday. And um, the WOCast has, like, a little following on uh, MMA Twitter. And I have two followers here that wanted to ask you a question, and um, it's from Hayden and Darren Carson. They want to know: Are you? Would you ever be interested in doing the nicest mother effort fight? Because they think you're the nicest MMA fighter in the world. And who would be your opponent? Oh my goodness, that's a good question. Thanks for for nominating me for that, by the way. But I don't know, maybe Mr. Rogers. <laughs> I think you'd kill him, though. Right? I have no idea. I know me and Max Holloway kind of went back and forth a little bit, just kind of joking around on fighting for the for the nicest belt so it was fun 
Yeah, I actually think this, because um, I just spoke to Vincent Luque, I actually think this could be the nicest MF um, belt right here for you. You know, he does strike me as a, a very, very interesting and intriguing guy, you know, away from the, the cage. I mean, were there any takeaways for you, you know, on listening to that? Oh, yeah, like... Um just, it's not just listening, it's also being there. Like, he's really close to his dad, and his dad even mm. uh, jumped into, you know, some of the conversation that we were having, so that was pretty cool. But I think, like, what intrigued me the most, believe it or not, is when we had our two t- MMA Twitter users jump in the conversation and ask him about the nicest motherfucker belt and also how he feels about the BMF belt. And what I got from it was that, because I was there, from his body language and his facial expressions, he liked the idea for Masvidal and Diaz, but he didn't seem too keen on the WWE aspect of it all. Like, you could just tell he was like, eh, it's, it's cool for this one time. That's what I was getting from him, which I thought was really interesting. He's a really positive guy, fun-loving, but you can tell he draws the line with how far this is going to go. And I say that from facial expressions and body language, and that's what caught me the most during the interview, you know? Did you um, did you get a chance to speak to him about you know who he feels would be the winner between um, Darren Till and um, Kevin Gastelum? No, we didn't really discuss that particular fight. We discussed more um, Luke him, you know him and Luke, and he was able to. Of course, he thinks he's going to win. Of course, duh. They you know they all think that. But he was just yeah. saying that Luke's no joke. Luke, he said Luke comes forward. He's a tough, tough fighter and can take a lot of damage and, and whatnot. But what he thinks that he brings to the table are his angles and his speed. And it's definitely been addressed in his camp and he feels great. And just talking to him in person, he looks great. And he's also very, very confident. So he has this type of like air about him that leads me to believe that he's going to go in there knowing and believing that he can do something with his opponent and that something is win, you know? Nice. So next up, you spoke to Farah Zahabi. And um, I suppose, you know, one of the intriguing things for me that I I couldn't wait to actually um, have answered, and that is there was a lot of chatter, there was a lot of talk around Khabib um, and GSP actually, you know, tangoing. Now, one of the things which I was quite keen to see is, you know, would that be a tempting offer for him to come back with? So I suppose, you know, without further ado, it makes sense to roll tape. Yeah, let's get into it, Mike. G from OTV is here with Faraz, and I'm going to let him say the last name because I keep messing up last names. Faraz Zahabi. <laughs> yes, we are with one of the best MMA coaches in the world at UFC 244 Media Scrum, and I've got some questions for you, Faraz. How is Kevin doing in his new gym with you as the head coach? He's doing real good. We all uh, enjoy having Kevin. He put in the work. He's more than ready for this fight. We have a very uh, strong game plan that we're confident in. He's in great physical shape. His wrestling is on point. His striking is on point. I'm looking forward to Saturday. Now, speaking of Kevin, now, should we look for a new and improved Kevin, or are we looking at a Kevin that's going to have some new tricks in the bag? Like, what are we going to see on Saturday? You're going to see a supercharged BMF Kevin Kevin what? Lee. What? BMF? BMF Kevin Lee. Damn. Okay. <laughs> Straight from Faraz, y'all. Kevin is turning into a BMF come, uh, come Saturday. Um, and this is... 
And Kevin is now doing a rock impression with another interviewer, and it was actually pretty damn good um, for us. Now, I'm not going to go into like the Conor McGregor allegations or whatnot, but how do you feel about fighting? Excuse me, fighters fighting under investigation for crimes. Like, how does how does that make you feel that someone could be under investigation but still fighting and being a part of the brand of the UFC? You know, I think you're innocent to proving guilty, and uh, a lot of these superstars are under investigation for things maybe that they didn't do because they're famous, people want money from them. That's one side of the, one side of the coin. The other side is maybe they did something illegal. So that's why we got a court system. Let the judges choose. Let the lawyers hack it out. For me, you're innocent until proven guilty, so you should be able to fight. Good answer. And also, how do you feel about a code of conduct being implemented in the UFC? Yay or nay? I think it's a great idea. I think uh, you know, there's 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 back and forth, hyping up the fight, but then there's going too far. And I think the fighters need to know where that line is. It should be it should be defined very clearly. Yeah, I agree with you. And I also think that when fighters kind of cut up outside of the octagon, it takes away from the aspect of them being martial artists, and they can seen can be seen as barbaric. So I, I'm with Faraz. I think there should be some form of code of conduct and, and discipline with shenanigans outside the octagon. However, let's talk GSP a little bit. And I know that you can't tell us you know, exactly what his future plans are, but I'm going to do this. What do you think of, um, as a coach, what do you think when a fighter retires, takes some time off, gets a little older, and comes back? Like, what does that do for your, like, how you train them? What, do you, what are your thoughts on an older fighter coming back after taking a break? Well, you know, when you're just training for fun, it's a totally different training than when you have a, a, a fight date. When you have a fight date, it's totally, totally different. Now uh, we're ramping up intensity slowly. We're getting uh, the weight in check. We're, we're balancing out a lot more uh, uh, factors, and we're obviously training more intensely. George right now, he's not in that mode. Right now, he's just kind of training for fun, keeping his body healthy, staying on par. And, uh, you know, he's, he's nearing the age of 40, so uh, if he's going to do a fight, it's going to have to be something really special because he has, far, he has very few fights left in him. Oh, what are your thoughts if there was a Khabib fight in GSP? I'm not trying to put it out there or anything, but what are your thoughts? I would love to see that fight at 165, five-rounder, main event, just for the sheer pleasure of seeing those two compete one against, once again, one against another. No titles per se needed on the line. Just to catch weight, and just for the just for the sheer amazement of these two great athletes. Right, it would probably be more yeah, about fight. legacy. Yeah, more about you know their legacy. Like it just be an incredible fight to witness because those two are so. Uh, I mean, they're so they're such great fighters. Yeah, yeah, the best, you know. Yes. And then they're also similar with the wrestling and the takedown and the control. So I think, like, I agree with you. The fans would be so intrigued to know who the hell is the best, you know. So. Another question for you, being that you're this elusive, awesome head coach, um, who was the hardest fighter that you've ever had to prepare for? Like someone that you was like, damn, we got to break this guy down and study him, and and it was intense. Who was that? Um, I would say maybe back in the day, BJ Penn, when he was in his prime, he was doing things nobody knew exactly what he was doing. He was super flexible. He He had attributes that were just way ahead of the game. And, uh, That's true. That's true. There was a time where BJ he was really ahead of the game by by a long shot, and uh, I would say BJ Penn. I would say uh, Johnny Hendricks was also a very difficult uh, guy to game plan for because he was so big. He, had, he brought so much to the table. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I would say Carlos Condit as well. I mean, there were, there were some very tricky uh, opponents, definitely. Well, thank you so much. I've always wanted to know, like, from a coach's perspective, like, who's the person that you get their name and you're like, damn it, like, this is going to be a hard one. Um, and finally, last but not least, what do you think of this BMF um, title? Who do you think wins, Masvidal or Diaz, and how? It's a really tough call, but I'm picking Masvidal. And why? Um, I think he's, he's, number one, he's a true welterweight. I think he's naturally bigger. Uh, he's, he's more explosive. He has just as much experience as Nate, so Nate won't have an edge in experience. He's just as tough as Nate. The one advantage I do give Nate is his durability. Yes. He takes this later in the five rounds. But I just feel that Masvidal is too seasoned for that. I'm just hoping Masvidal has prepared seriously for Nate because I see him every day in the media. Like, literally, he's all he's over the media all, all day long. And that superstardom is like, it's, it could be exhausting. Yeah. So I'm hoping that that doesn't hinder his performance because he should, in my opinion, he should win this fight. Now, since you brought it up, as a coach, when you see one of your fighters falling in love with the, the, the superstar in the media and he's feeling himself, how do you bring them down? Not just, down, but how do you get I them to I just try to, I try to get them to refocus, and a lot of times they'll get, yeah, yeah, of course I am focused, coach. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, maybe they got to learn the hard way. Some guys got to learn the hard way, and, and it's unfortunate, but I try to warn them, but sometimes warnings just doesn't, you know, your, your mom could tell you that, that's hot, don't touch it, it's hot. Yes. And you're not going to, some some people just don't learn until they burn themselves a couple of times. Right, I'm glad my mother's not here, because she would be like, for us, you're talking about her right now, that's exactly. me. I learned from making yeah. mistakes, so yeah. I can see as a coach, you probably had to deal with that, and been like, all right, all right, you you, you're going to learn. Let him burn himself. Yeah, you're going to learn. <laughs> well, it was a wonderful conversation, and thank you for having Pleasure. me. It doesn't seem like George's state of mind is to come back, but I feel like there are certain stipulations that can draw him in, and I felt like I got that from uh, Faras, which was interesting. And to him, it was the 165 division. Um, George St. Pierre is just getting older and doesn't really need to defend his belts the way that he used to so if he comes back and wins a title what's it for really you know he's at an age where he doesn't really need to prove anything to anybody and defend nothing but however if if he was to come back it would be for legacy and that legacy would be who is the best fighter at 165 and him and Khabib match up well and they're both Mm. en route to being legends to the sport I mean he's already GSP is already one of the considered one of the goats excuse me and Khabib is well on his way you could say you could start to make an argument for that so for sounds like for us is like if we come back if George gets in the camp it's going to be for a big deal it's not going to be to defend the belt and then go on vacation or defend defend like he's young if he comes back if these old bones come back it's for legacy, <laughs> you know, so because those old bones can still fight like for sounded very self-assured with his fighter. And it was mm. it was just a really great interview. We discussed the code of conduct um, with Conor McGregor. It was just like when you talk about Conor and the allegations, I just feel like I got to dance around them. It just feels so taboo. But I was able to just poke around a little bit. And I liked his perspective of things. And I do like that. You know, he stays out of it. He believes a man should be innocent until proven guilty. That's his perspective on things. But at the same time, notice he wanted a code of conduct in the UFC. He's all for it, which I thought was very interesting. And I agree with him. So that's definitely some takeaways I had from Faras. And lovely guy, laid back, and he made me feel comfortable while talking to him. You know, it, was, it, nice. it felt like a conversation like how me and you talk. It was nice, you know. Mm. I bet you what else um, or what, what other um, fighter felt like 
uh, a conversation and not an interview was Kevin Lee. I bet you got some gems from him. Oh, first and foremost, like that whole persona of him being like arrogant and like wild and looking like Jimi Hendrix was just thrown out the yeah. way. It was debunked. Like I felt like he was just like a sweetheart. You know, he was just a nice guy. And of course, mm. immediately, because I just felt so comfortable around him, we discussed some something that I like to discuss and it can be a hard topic to discuss, but I tend to talk about race a lot. You know, that how do you move forward in a in a country that's racist or, you know, with a history of racism without talking about it? So and rightly so, yeah. because, you know, I would have thought that it would be, um, well, hot on the lips of many people in the States, considering, you know, the current climate and considering, you know, what seems to be almost palatable or, or made to be palatable by, you know, you know, I hate to say this, your, your own president yeah. um, has made it palatable. To, to have these discussions, but people just sometimes don't want to have them. Oh, don't bring politics into MMA. Well, they're here. Our very controversial president is coming to this fight. Yet you damn right we got to talk about it. But anyway, back to Kevin. I wanted to mm. discuss almost black empowerment or just like what's it like being like a black guy in the UFC? Do you feel like how most African-Americans and black people feel here that we feel like the underdogs, you know, and that yeah. and that we have to work twice as hard to do what an average white person can do. And we work mm. twice as hard. And I liked his answer. He does feel like that way sometimes, I gather. But he does the same thing that I do that I can relate to him is that you just keep it moving and you work twice as hard and working twice as hard makes you a better person, a better fighter. And you use that motivation, even though it sucks, it's it's unfair, you know, mm. but you use it to your benefit. And to me, Michael, that's relatable. Even though I'm not a fighter, we're both black and we can relate to that. I thought that was oh, awesome. 100%. Yeah. You know, what's really intriguing is, you know, a, a lot of what you just said there, you know, in terms of my upbringing, I mean, that was the narrative that, you know, you know, that was basically drummed into me at a, as me too. a well, on a, on a daily basis, you know, growing up, in a white society, you're going to have to try twice as hard and use that as your motivator. And, and you know, it's just interesting. You're, you know, thousands of miles away with exactly the same lived experience. It's incredible. Yeah, and that's why, like, I kind of, I didn't feel like I was discussing something controversial with him. Mm. You know, it wasn't like I didn't feel inappropriate. And there were quite Trust me, Mike, you know my mouth on Twitter. There are questions I want to ask that could probably get me booted out of the media scrum and banned, but <laughs> I, I behave. But when it came to this, like, yo, what's it like being a black guy in the UFC? I felt, com yeah. I felt comfortable doing it. And then at the end of the conversation, it was relatable. He even gave me advice on MMA trolls. I told him about like my little mishaps with the trolls and how when you get popular on Twitter, people come for you. And he gave me advice on how to handle it. So interesting. Yeah, it was really cool conversation. And it, it was just a nice experience to have. It, it was dope. Well, I suppose, I suppose without further ado, let's hear from Kevin Lee. Yeah, let's do it. I just want to get straight to it. You're an African-American male, yeah. and you're fighting in the UFC. Do you believe that it's harder for you as a black man to be successful in this organization? Because, I mean, let's face it, I'm African-American, as you can see, and I feel like we're the underdogs. Everything we do is twice as hard in comparison to other folks. Do you agree with that in the UFC, or is this like an equal opportunity type of place? You know, I do. But I also kind of get it a little bit. Yeah. The UFC is about the green. They're about the money. Um, and, and it's up to us to educate 
our, our people on, on, on supporting us. You know, you, you, you look at somebody, uh, just to use Conor McGregor for an example, he shows up for his first UFC fight, and uh, there, there's 3,000 Irishmen there. Yeah. Can I blame the UFC for looking at that and then, you know, and, and, and not taking advantage? Right. It's, it's very hard to, you know. You're right. We are always, always the underdog. We, we um, got to work twice as hard. That's just a fact. Absolutely. Um, even for the, even on this fight card, you know, I, I look at it and somebody like Darren Till is headlining it, um, and the man's coming off two knockout losses. You've never seen me knocked out of my career, you know, and, and, and you've never seen me uncompetitive in a fight in my career. Um, but I've got to take on a guy who's and he's taking on a guy who, who is coming off a, a title challenge really big name and everything I've got to I've got to fight the guy who's undefeated coming up uh, who's going to try and make a name off of me and so that's a dangerous fighter Kevin yeah it's much more dangerous yeah. but I'm used to this you know I've done it many times in my career sure. and I feel like I step up to the to the uh, to, to the plate yeah. each time yeah so even if like if you did feel like that I know for me when I have to work twice as harder it makes you a better person anyway yeah. and that's why I feel like black people are so fly anyway we gotta work twice as hard so we come out bow like you right. on top of things so right. just my little tidbit I feel like that's gonna shine through you know that, that's what's been shining through in my career um yeah, I, I can look at it a lot and say like, oh, kind of what was me? Like, uh, I wish, Why would you? I wish. Yeah. But I wouldn't trade me for you know. Neither like, would I. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm the shit. You know what I mean? Like I, I just feel like yeah. that. Yeah. So, and working twice as hard gets you better results anyway. So yeah. it's always good to be the underdog. It's always good for someone not to be like, oh, you know, Kevin ain't shit. This, this, and that. So that's what that's for me. If I was you, that would be my motivation. Like, oh, y'all sleeping on me? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, work. It's, exactly. I mean, it, like I said, it takes it takes twice as much work for me to get there. But once I do get there, the results are gonna be spectacular. Exactly. So. Another question. I want to talk about the hate. When I go on, I do a lot of stuff online. I'm always beefing with people on Twitter. So that's my thing. Um, MMA Twitter is always talking about how Greg is going to beat you. He's undefeated. Kevin ain't ready. You all over the place. And this is, you know, I'm just telling you what I'm hearing and reading on on the blog. And that you're jumping from camp to camp. You seem to be just all over the place. What do you say to the haters? Um... I don't really pay too much attention to them, Good. to be honest with you. Like, I, that's why I don't fuck with social media like that. that you know, you don't really see me, yeah. see me on it too much. Uh, I never really read the comments or, or anything like that. Um, is there some truth in some of it? Maybe. You know, this last year has been very hard. Um, you know, since, since I've lost my head coach, I have kind of been driverless. I have kind of been... Uh, That's expected. You're probably grieving. It's, it's, it's part of the process, you know, and uh, everybody needs a coach. I feel like I've found that now, and I feel like that's going to shine through on Saturday. Uh, he's really fine-tuned me and, 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 and really got me dialed in. So this is a good fit for you. You yeah. like TriStar. You like the... You know, I, I embrace the hate. You know what I mean? Like, sure. that, that give me a little bit of, yeah. of, of extra. When I step in there on Saturday in Madison Square Garden, for me, it's going to be a huge moment. It's yeah. history to me. Uh, but the people around, they're going to boo. They're going to, you yeah. know, they, they're going to be for Gregor. What do you have? I embrace that shit. Well, then give me some advice because, like, I'm not famous or anything, but I have a lot of people on Twitter that just can't stand me because I say what I want. I don't give a fuck. I say what I want. I just do and say what, as you can see, I'm cursing on the podcast. I don't care. And I say what I want. I ask what I want. People hate me for it. Sometimes it hurts my feelings when people drag me or they say, you know, and then you a dyke, you this, you that. And it's kind of like the low blows will get to me sometimes. What advice do you have for me to kind of keep the haters from getting to me? You know... To be honest, it's especially if you're a sensitive person. Like, 
That would be me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's 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 okay, you know, like. Yeah. Just let them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's, it's it's truly. It's even okay to be upset at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it really is. Like I, I don't like that that people just say like, oh, just ignore it every time. That's you know? me, cause it's but it bo- I feel something. Yeah, what do you want yeah. me to do if, with it? If you feel it, you. Hey, look. If you feel it, you feel it. You right. know, it, it's, it's it's like it's like somebody can't just say like, oh, just shut that shit up. Like you, okay. you know, it, it don't work like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think it's all right. You know, as long as as long as it don't stop you. You right. know what I'm saying? Like like. It's, it's it's a fight like this. I'm just gonna use it for example. Go ahead. A fight like this when they when they approach me with it, like, oh, do you want to fight Gregor? Um, going back down the weight, uh, he's undefeated. He's, he's all yeah, these things. All that, the talk and me, I don't yeah. I don't get a lot if I beat him, and I lose a lot on the other end of it. True, true. So a fight like that kind of scare me a little bit, oh. and I'm like, just because it scare me, that shit ain't gonna stop me. Yeah, you know you what I mean? Just because it. it make me yeah. feel the type of way. That shit don't stop me. It's going to keep me going. That's what the trolls did with me. I was like, thank you. I'm at the media scrum. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it thank you. Stop you. Yeah, it made people talk about me even more. So exactly. I'm happy with that. Coming up this Saturday, we have UFC 244. You've been enjoying the spoils, as it were, uh, leading up to fight night. Now, what we're going to do is take a very, very quick canter through the main and co-main. For me, I like the fact that, you know, the UFC have been very, very clever with this in placing Darren Till as the co-main event. They've definitely got the um, attention of the Brits because him being a Brit favourite. But I'm going to have to break ranks. I'm going to have to be that guy. I'm not actually going with Darren Till. I'm going with Kelvin Gastelum. I really do feel, you know, the whole trip over for um, Darren Till in terms of the delay that he had to his visa, which basically enabled him, well, to, I suppose, catch some more training in the UK, but delayed his entry to the US, has put him and wrong-footed him because... Essentially, what he's got to do between now and weighing day, which is tomorrow, is to get on weight because he will be cutting weight. Mm -hmm. But as well as that, acclimatize himself um, to the fact that he is now on a different time frame. I'm guessing that's what he would have been doing in, in the UK. But... You know, in, in there there is preparation for a different time frame and then living a different time yes. frame. So I, I really do feel that he's at a disadvantage even before he stepped inside the octagon. But the third, and I suppose the key and most important thing, Kelvin Gastelum is no joke. He's no pushover. I mean, look, he rearranged the face of the current champ, of course, in Izzy uh, Alessania. But the fact is, you know, he hits like a truck. And yes. I really do feel, you know, with the added bonus of wrestling, and we now know, or we know that, you know, Darren's wrestling uh, hasn't been on display, and it hasn't been on display for a good reason. He is efficient in his stand-up game, and he, you know, comes from a Muay Thai background. The fact is, I think that all of that just points to a disaster for Darren Till. I'm really quite confident that, you know. Kelvin Gastelum is going to get this done within the first two rounds. It's going to be a stoppage in some way, shape or form, whether TKO or KO. Um, Before I tell you my pick, brief me, Mm. have you seen any footage of Darren Till since he's landed in New York? Because I believe it's, even though I didn't see him at the media, it's confirmed he's here. But he just hasn't made it. What's he looking like? Yeah, he's he's definitely in the... um, 
in, in, in New York. And the, the fact is, I've only seen stills of him. I've not seen any actual video footage. But from the video footage, or sorry, from the stills mm-hmm. or from the photos, he looked refreshed. He looked lively. He looked, you know, he didn't look drawn. But I, 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 it's very difficult to tell how he was just from the photos that I saw. But just logically you'd think that you'd be at a disadvantage if you've got to acclimatize yourself to you know a different time zone but not only that you know he's got weight to cut yeah and you have to perform as well you've got weight to cut for the Mm. weigh-ins and then you have to perform possibly jet lagged and we discussed that in the last episode that shit that shit ain't no joke like that Mm. you are tired regardless of what you do when you when you do not get acclimated to your environment it's very hard one to just go to work and relax let alone go to the gym you know what I mean? So when I have jet yep. lag, I tend to skip the gym because I'm just mopey and tired. So I can't imagine having to be some professional athlete with jet lag having to perform at the highest peak, you know, of, of my level against Kevin yep. Gaustelum. So I think there is some mm. truth to what you're saying. However, with my pick, I'm going to agree with you, Mike, and I'm going with Kelvin Gastelum. And the reason why I'm going with him is because we know what Kelvin can do at this weight class. We know, we even know how he loses at this weight class, which is when someone is a superior grappler to him, like Chris, mm-hmm. Chris Weidman. Yep. And don't forget, yep. he almost had Chris Weidman with those hands. He dropped him so hard, but Chris managed to survive. So that mm. was still a winnable fight with a dominant grappler. And like I don't see like like you said I don't see Darren Till wrestling him, even though Darren Till has some really badass takedown defense and he really does. If you look it up, he's got some really good takedown defense, but he is not an offensive wrestler. He's not known for that. He's he's known for that come forward, heavy hitting, and charging forward type of fighter. And he's got a heavy left hand and he's really good. And his elbows are disgusting. However, Kelvin's yeah. Kelvin's hands are faster. He's acclimated to this weight class. He's also a wrestler. So if you do try to wrestle him, you better be pretty damn good at it. People forget that Kelvin is a great wrestler. Okay? And we know what he's going to do with this weight class. There's too many X factors with Darren Till. We don't know if he's going to be slower. We don't know if his cardio is going to be affected. I just don't think that moving up in a weight class to test yourself with Kelvin Gastelum is the best idea. I think the UFC is just kind of pushing him forward. And they did it before when he when he wasn't in the middleweight class. So But that's just it. Oh. You know, so to jump in there, that's just it. He isn't um uh being pushed by the UFC basically to take this fight. Initially when it was suggested, it was him that was actually pushing for it. It was his team that basically, you know, um collectively thought it was a good idea because Darren likes to test himself and test himself in a massive way now i can't see this ending anywhere in in a good place for darren and that's the reason why you know when dana was actually quizzed on it you know he was really clear nope wasn't our call it was darren and his team because we did i remember online and mma twitter we did throw Dana and the UFC under the bus like oh come on man yeah. give him a Kevin Gastelum mm. like I think I mean I think MMA Twitter and all the fans are kind of realizing that Kelvin Gastelum on my mission for gold hashtag is for real 
Like he he deserves to be in the top five, and he's really, really, really good. And I think people, yeah. especially after the the Izzy fight, they looked back and was like, he damn near smoked Chris Weidman. He blazed mm. Michael Bisbing. You know what mm. I mean? Like, yeah. So I think people are putting it together. Like, hey, this kid is good. This kid is really good. And then you got Darren Till. We don't know what he's like at this weight class. I'm a little nervous. I'm going with Kelvin Gastelum, and I'm going with a TKO or a KO victory. Don't know which round, but I think Darren's going down. The main event, we have, I have to say, um, I don't know how they're actually going to announce this uh, or how (laughs) Bruce Buffer is actually going to announce the belt. I'm guessing he's going to be running with BMF, but it'd be interesting to see. But, you know, I like the fact that, you know, 18 months ago, 24 months ago, you and I wouldn't have been having this conversation. You and I wouldn't have been requesting this matchup. And you and I wouldn't be this gassed about two individuals who are essentially in double figures when it comes to losses. The fact is this. This is such an intriguing matchup, which has been um, amplified by the fact that it nearly didn't happen. So much so that I normally watch these fights um, basically, you know, in the morning. Mm-hmm. I don't tend to stay up. I'm getting too old for this shit, as, um, <laughs> as uh, my, my guy from Lethal Weapon used to say. Yep. Now, Danny Glover. Now, for me, it has intrigued me to a level, to a height, where I am actually making that call, making that life decision to actually stay up. I'm going to be watching this from start to finish. Oh. Not only are there items on the prelims that I want to see, but this whole concept of this BMF belt has got me intrigued. Intrigued to a certain well degree where you know I want to watch it live. But in terms of my pick, I have got Jorge Masvidal uh, picked out for this, picked out for victory. I don't see him finishing Nate Diaz. No. I, I just... You know, for me, in terms of um, Nate's durability, his workhorse ethic and his come forward style and just the fact that, you know, his cardio is just incredible. I don't know how you would finish Nate Diaz. Really and truly, I do see this going to a decision and I see it going to a decision for Jorge Masvidal. Okay, now here is my pick and I'm going with Nathan Diaz. And the reason why I'm Mm. going with him is because... One, Jorge Masvidal is not going to knock him out, and I think that Nate will prevail in the later rounds. He does not stop. His cardio is ridiculous. And what else I think, too, is that I think Jorge is is breakable. And hear me out on this. The reason why I think he's breakable because it's like just as of lately, he's I saw it on the countdown, he's been calling his opponents, he's been saying he's baptizing them, meaning – now he's knocking out his opponents. Because you remember that little run he had where he kept getting decisions and they were either yeah. close or he would lose them. Like, I still think he won against Ally Aquinta, but those, mm-hmm. those losses and those close decisions apparently haunt him. But here's the thing. You're not knocking out Nate Diaz. So what are you going to do? And Nate tends to win decisions. Like, you saw him, you know, like, he, he, he wins decisions. His cardio stays up and he doesn't stop and he moves forward. In fact... Nate's, um, what's it called? The word that I'm trying to say, he increases his fights, his, excuse me, his punches increase. Yeah. And if Masvidal wants to take him to the ground, he also has to worry about submissions from Nate's back. I just think that Nate's forward pressure and the fact that he gets better as the rounds go on and he, he adjusts to the fighter and Jorge's not going to be able to knock out Nate Diaz is going to be his demise. I don't think he's going to be able to baptize Nathan Diaz. But I will admit well, this, mm. it's, it's a shaky pick. 
it can go to either fighter, but I'm going to go Nathan Diaz and by decision. I have one question for you before we wrap this up, Mike. Go for it. What do you think about The Rock wrapping the belt around the winner? Put it this way. The whole Rock thing, I think, amplifies the um, off-brand nature of the BMF belt. It's never been done before, the BMF belt, and neither has a celebrity come in the cage, the octagon, and put on a belt. I think it also kind of like plays to the nature of this, the fun nature, the fun fight nature of this as well. It's absolutely incredible, brilliant, a masterstroke of marketing. When you think of the amount of eyes, additional eyes, because of who we are talking about here that will be on this product, the UFC could not have scripted this more brilliantly. Oh, yeah. I think this is a market. What do you think? I think it's a marketing ploy, and I think it will work well. It'll bring eyes and attention to this belt with The Rock bringing in, you know, different fans. Like, what's he doing over there? Who's, what is this BMF thing about? And yada, yada, yeah. yada. But I do think, like, Mike Tyson would have been kind of cool to do that he is like a ufc affiliate like he hangs out with he gets high with henry cejudo on his podcast he you know what i mean like he, yeah, he hangs yeah. out with dana he supported ronda rousey like he's a familiar face of the ufc and let's face it i don't think there's really anything badass about the rock except that he's really gorgeous and his muscles are big and he probably has a badass workout and he's a badass actor but the bmf belt to me is about like two fighting hood dudes that are about to just let us know who's the baddest motherfucker out here i don't really get that from the rock i get that more from mike tyson you see, I saw your um, Twitter post and I liked it. I think I retweeted it. I think it's a brilliant call to have Mike Tyson, the baddest man on the planet. For me, when I think of the baddest man on the planet, I still think of Mike Tyson to this day. Yeah. But I've got a feeling that Mike Tyson and Mike Tyson's likeness may be hired out as in being paid for by the PFL. I think that he's working very closely with them and oh. they wouldn't really take too kindly to the fact that you know, Mike Tyson, a brand, when you think about it, mm -hmm. which they are, I reckon, I, I don't know, obviously know this for certain, but right, I right. reckon they're paying for um, his, I suppose, quote unquote, endorsement by him actually appearing at their shows, um, his likeness being used in pictures. That in itself is a very lucrative deal. So I don't think that, you know, we would have seen him actually putting the UFC or the, the BMF belt on a UFC athlete. And not for nothing, I totally forgot about his controversial past with the rape, with the convicted rape and also domestic violence issues. I had some female followers kind of DM me and also tweet me like, I like the guy too, but Gina, don't forget about his past. So you have to also consider that he's also a controversial figure, even though people True. have forgiven him and stuff. But you see how some female fans were triggered and had to remind me like read up on that case Gina before you have him wrap a belt around somebody's waist and give him all that praise like let's not forget his murky little past and the UFC has female fans so I had to take that we'll into consideration as well we'll put it this way um, PFL certainly doesn't have a problem with it and to be fair in the past um, the UFC who have you know sat Mike Tyson front and center and Kate oh, yeah. side, uh, haven't had a part haven't had a, a problem with it yeah. either but on that controversial note I think it's time to wrap up this week's episode it has been incredible watching your journey it's been and I, I really I, I, I can't thank you enough for making uh, the pictures and the videos and 
basically describing in very, very keen detail as to what, you know, you're going through, the emotions and the passion and everything which has actually uh, been happening over the last 48 hours. So I'm really looking forward to seeing um, your journey cage side and seeing how that actually pans out too. So um, in between time, if there is anybody out there, or there usually is, who wants to actually debate, discuss, talk about any of the issues that was covered on this show, you can reach me via Twitter at MikeWoTV and you can converse with... G at G from Roll TV and real quick guys make sure you check out my page for the next few days because I'm headed to the weigh-ins at MSG tomorrow and then Saturday I'm front and center for the fight with the media so there should be some good shots and videos so please 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 have fun and check out my page until next time make some trouble always Mike see you next week Oh.